listening to Good Guys Talk Back with your hosts, Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Follow us on Twitter at Good Guys TV or on Facebook at Good Guys Talk Back. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to episode 73 of Good Guys Talk Back. I am Nick Morawski, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Everything Chicago White Sox, handcrafted, independent, a couple blocks away from the stadium here in Bridgeport. Uh, I'm going to bring in my co-host in just a moment. Um, Got a lot to talk about. Uh, Very excited. Uh, Some some great awards given out, uh, but some... Uh, some difficulties uh, with this organization and uh, the heavy load we as a fan base uh, had about a week ago uh, trying to defend this organization, trying to find some way uh, with Tony LaRussa and uh, in his issues. We're going to get to that, of course. Um, you can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast. Simply subscribe and every new episode will come into that inbox. Uh, If this is your first time with us, welcome. Uh, Please feel free to pass this podcast along to any other diehard Sox fans you know. Uh, Pat Hester, uh, come on in, buddy. My friend, it's good to talk to you again on this uh, blustery November day. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's wonderful that we have content to talk about. (laughs) Who would have thought we'd have so much to talk about in November? I mean, not a dull moment uh, since the end of the season. Uh, I was talking with a couple folks about this over the last week. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks I'm sure you had and other folks listening, you know, texting, you know, what what do you think about this LaRusso thing? What's going on here? What was it? And it's it's been like this since we ended the season. Yeah. Well, it's it's it works out well for people that that want to do things like this and and have a platform to talk sure. about our favorite teams. So, yeah. you know, uh, some things are good. Uh, most yeah. things I'd say are good, obviously, but it, they're just overshadowed by some negativity, which we're going to dive into today. Yeah. So we're recording. November 15th. And, uh, you know, the backstory on, on Pat and I. Uh, diehard uh, White Sox fans all, all of our life. And so we, we come with a very fan-centric angle, um, especially with this first segment we're going to get to, because uh, there's a lot of different ways you can slice this. Uh, we're definitely going to get to the uh, Abreu situation. You know, it's more than a situation. It's just an unbelievable milestone. Very excited for Abreu. We're going to get to um, some other awards that have been given out, our new pitching coach. But I think the first thing we need to get to is uh, the LaRusa situation. About a week ago, um, you know, I'm just scrolling through Twitter randomly and uh, just not even really paying attention. And then, boom, I get this this post from Jeff Passan about uh, there was a second DUI for LaRusa La in 13 years, late February in Arizona. And, uh, you know, the, the, he's going to be charged and the Sox knew about it like the day before they announced his hiring. And then, boom, like all these other uh, media outlets picked it up. Uh, the, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, the score nationally, it's everywhere. And I think you and I might have uh, tweeted a little bit or I'm sorry, text, uh, you know, and made some comments. And then and then the next few days were just a disaster. Um and, and that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, the Sox have been really weak with their communication as an organization. 
um, really fell behind this thing. They, they came out with something a few days ago. You know, they're going to respect the legal process, which I think La Russa has maybe a hearing in, in December. Uh, they're going to let this play out before they really uh, announce or make an announcement. La Russa has said, you know, jack shit about this. Uh, okay. I, I don't know how much I want to get into the – you know, okay, that's the right as an organization. Great. What were your thoughts, Pat, just from a fan, uh, from a fan angle, when you started hearing about all this? I, I guess, well, one, to learn that it was, it was something that happened back in February was, uh-huh. which this is the first time I think I've heard about it. Maybe, maybe, it, I don't know, maybe other people knew about this. I, I was surprised. That's something yeah. that happened back in February, regardless if he was our manager at the time or not. It was just interesting, the timing and uh-huh. how long this is all taken. I mean, it's already November now. Uh, yeah. that, that was yeah. all a surprise. I guess what ultimately always surprises me, Nick, and, and this isn't exclusive to the Chicago White Sox, but any organization, whether it's sports or not, how they just try, try and just let things sweep under the rug and they don't get yeah. out ahead of yeah. stories. before they become news you have an opportunity everybody does bad things are going to happen right and whether they're self-induced bad things or not bad things are going to happen when you own a team or when you're part of a business it's just incumbent i think upon everybody to get out in front of stories control a little bit more be humble and say all right listen everybody we we are aware of this situation. We we aware of it before we hired or offered the the, the mm-hmm. managerial spot to Tony. Mm-hmm. He is aware of it. Here's where we're at. Here's what we can say legally about it. We will talk yeah. more about it when it's when it's over. But we're confident in where we're at in the process. And and since then, Tony has done X, Y, and Z to not only improve himself. He understands where you know where his faults are at. Whatever it is. Whatever, but I again, I don't know who when any of this comes out, who consults these people in, in public relations? It's like, all right, let's let's just wait until we have to do complete damage control and, and put out fires. I don't understand how that is a, a productive way to go out uh, about managing these types of situations with any team. Yeah, I you know the organization, the, the White Sox, okay. You know, you, you almost have to separate yourself. And I have struggled with this over the years. Uh, the, the bigger the macro picture, the White Sox as a team, and then the humans that own it and that try running it and the imperfections there and, and how that is then portrayed on the White Sox team. And you got, I put a lot of this on and at Jerry Reinsdorf, um, there's been a lot in the past that has happened with this organization, uh, but more recently, the, the hiring of Larusa questionable, and now th- this whole situation, uh, and and how you couldn't get out in front of this, uh, it, it's just a bad look, a really bad look. Now I know that there's some amazing people in the White Sox organization. There are some great, great people that I've interacted with. If you ever go to the White Sox website, you look at their front office page. You know, there's like a couple hundred people, maybe 500. There are so many people that are working behind the scenes that not, not everybody was on board with this LaRusa thing. And not everybody was on board with how they handled the, the LaRusa thing. So for me to just put a blanket over and to say, this, this organization is horrible. No, it's not. 
there are some individuals that are making horrible decisions, but I can't say it's, it's everybody's fault. Um, now, personally, okay, I look at this from a real person, from a human angle. Now, if Larusa is going through some serious issues, if he has problems, okay, two, two DUIs in 13 years, um, I don't know what's been happening in his world since late February, if he has sought help. If he has gotten treatment, if Jerry is such a great friend of his that Jerry knew about this privately back over the summer and said, Tony, I want to get you help. I think you need help. Now, Tony's the only one that's going to be able to accept that help. And that comes from me. You know, Nick Morawski is someone who has got the experience. I have wrestled with my own demons. I'm a little over two years sober. I get that human angle, man. It is torture. And you don't want your junk being spread out in the public eye. Uh, and I thank God I, you know, didn't take a, you know, someone being put in the cemetery, me being put behind bars or a DUI for me to stop. I was able to stop ahead of time uh, when I knew I had an issue. My concern is, is, is also the human angle with Tony, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Matt. Like what is going on with him as a human? And is he getting the help if he needs it? Well, he, he, Quite honestly, it seems like he does because he's gotten caught and, and, and busted for DUI twice. It doesn't mean that in 13 years he hasn't gotten behind the wheel when he shouldn't have. Now, I'll say this from my own perspective. In, in my younger days, did I do the exact same things? Yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm, sure. I'm now almost 40 years old and thank the Lord that nothing as bad has happened to me and my bad decisions. But I, I feel like I've grown up enough to realize that that's not something that, you know, is, is the right thing to do. I would hope a 76-year-old man has has now learned his lesson and it doesn't become a problem. And if someone isn't in his corner to try and champion him to change mm -hmm. his life, I'm not saying, you know, maybe he's not in a situation where he needs to stop consuming. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe don't he's know in a situation, though, it's like moron. You can't get behind the wheel these days. You shouldn't have gotten the wheel back in the 80s either if you were that way. But definitely these yep. days you can't do it. It's not a pull over and, a, and it's, hey, I'll follow you home till you get home safely type of thing anymore. It's it's th these are serious ramifications and rightfully so. So, yeah, I would I would hope that this has been an eye opening experience. And, and it's too bad. It's if it is, it's taken this long for him to open his eyes. Yeah, it, it it's a serious, serious situation. I, I wish I knew more information behind the scenes. And, and to be honest with you, no one should. It's a, it could be it's a very private matter. I mean, if he's dealing with a disease, if he's dealing with demons, if it's that extensive, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the right. He doesn't owe us anything to make to make comments. Now, if he wanted to come out and say something, Larusa, you know, a week ago, I screwed up. It's my second time. It's inexcusable. I have made amends. I have got, I've sought the help, whether he has or not. And it, it, you know, I think a lot of fans would have just taken that as a forgiving society. Uh, we are, we are a very forgiving society and especially in the sports world uh, to come out and say, Hey, I'm dealing with some stuff. I got the help. I, I'm looking to move forward now and I'm, and I'm ready to be the manager of a, of a championship well, White Sox team in 2021. I think a lot of people would have taken that a lot better than the zero 
uh, information we got, which gave the perception a little bit of, oh, I guess you support this if you're not saying yeah. it, which I don't think is the case. I just think there's a bit of a cluster uh, with how do we respond to this? And, and like to your point, how do you not know how to respond to this as a professional team with a you know extensive PR staff? Well, it, let's think about it this way. How different would we have felt about Tony La Russa as a manager uh, and a leader of people if he comes down when he accepts it and, and say, let's let me clear the air about something right now. So you're all aware and, and, and go through it. You, you get that you get out in front of it and be humble. People are I think people would react very strongly yeah, and, and been very oh, yeah. supportive and said, you know what? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why the Sox hired this guy, because look, at the, he 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 was able to get out in front of this story and say, this is where I'm at. I want to be open with people. I want to be open with my players. I've, you know, whatever. I think people would have been mistakes. I'm imperfect. And, uh, you know, everybody has built me up as this hall of famer, this baseball whisperer, three world series over several decades, but man, I'm dealing with some issues as a human. And it's not the first time, you know, we've seen athletes, especially in baseball come out and they have to admit that. And, you know, uh, in this day and age where everybody knows everything before other people, I mean, it's insane the way information gets through you know, we didn't really have to deal with some of these things or know about these things in, you know, 15 years yeah. ago, 20 years ago. I, I, and I yeah. can only imagine if we knew some of the stuff that was happening with players and, you know, managers after games, how we would look at that. Yeah, yeah it's a different world. And, it, and maybe it shows just how out of touch he is with what you need to be as a manager today. I don't know. We'll see how that all plays out, I suppose. Yeah. It's just what I think. I think the fan base would have looked at him differently had he come out or, or at least said something before this became a story. And it would have been maybe more people would be in his corner as, as uh, for him as the hire. Yeah. I, I, I would have loved just a personal statement from Reinsdorf. Like, boy, uh, like, yeah, I'm dreaming of course, cause that would have never happened. But what if it did, you know, and he had a heartfelt statement to the fans and followed by in conjunction with a Larusa statement, and maybe that's coming in December. I don't know after they quote unquote wait for the legal process to take its uh, a course. But uh, at the end of the day, it's Jerry's world, as we talked about in the last episode. He's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do, and if we think as a fan base we can change that, we sadly can't. You know, well, and it, it there there is a light at the end of the tunnel though with the. That with the Reinsdorf thing, you look at the way the his other organization has changed ever since Michael yeah. ha, has yeah. kind of taken over, yeah. and that's the the hope. I'm not wish <laughs> I'm not wishing the man uh, uh, takes uh, another step into this universe no, and goes somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, you know, if it ever comes to the point, you make him sound like some kind of galactic yeah. traveler. Or some, <laughs> I'm not asking him split- to take a dirt nap, but I'm just saying. If it ever gets to the point where he re- relinquishes a little bit of his power over this organization and maybe see where it can be, where it can go and the positive steps mm-hmm. that can be had. I mean, look, again, I'll look at the, the Bulls angle. Mike Reinsdorf looked at the embarrassment of the of Bulls organization and what they were when the All-Star game was here last year. And and that's when change really he got a, a firsthand look at what other people thought of his organization. And that's when the change started to happen. I think Jerry is just yeah. so blind to to what public perception is of of the the baseball team. 
that, yeah. that until somebody yeah. else has yeah. more autonomy to make decisions, it'll be that way until he's out. The blind, Pat, you're, you're right on. I, I have a feeling he doesn't get it. He doesn't realize, oh, people were going to have a problem yeah. with this. People were actually going to be up in arms about this. I, I didn't think so. I think that's yeah. the ineptness, like the clueless, the out of touch uh, that he is. I mean, damn it, the, the Chicago White Sox are my team, and they'll always be my team. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Are there are there people that uh, are making decisions that are imperfect? Of course. Like there is anywhere else in any organization across the board uh, before time, before uh, now, and then in the future. And, uh, and it's just something you have to sit with, you know, for, but to think about like, well, I'm going to jump ship to another team personally, n- never. And why there's just going to be other ridiculousness in other organizations that you're going to have to yeah. eventually deal with. You know, the grass isn't yeah. always greener. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just the way it's going to be now for a little while. But my hope is that again, the higher, I guess, again, the silver lining with the higher of Tony LaRusse is, is his shelf life as a manager is going to be short. So that means that, like we've said in the previous episode, that uh, hopefully that means very, very aggressive as we go into this, this off season, because it's got to happen now yeah. if you want it to happen with this guy. Right. Right. And, and it's about who uh, is put around him. And so that weight that load that was on our shoulders as a fan base, you know, early last week and throughout the week, uh, it was heavy. I was having conversations with people that I haven't talked to in a while that wanted me to weigh in or what do you think of this? Or, you know, you know, and, and it was tough. Uh, there was, it was a heavy load, uh, you know, but uh, towards the week end, we got some refreshing news about a yep. pitching coach. And this goes along with, well, who is he going to surround himself with? Or who is going to, who is, who is he going to be told? This is who yeah. your pitching coach is. We don't know how, you know, which angle that went, but Ethan Katz uh, is, is the new pitching coach uh, replacing a long tenured uh, Don Cooper. And I am not going to pretend that I am this week in the weeds with uh, baseball and uh, beyond that. I was like, Oh yeah, I know exactly who Ethan Katz is. And I know everything about him. Um, you know, it, I've heard of Giolito's relationship with his high school coach. And uh, as I read a little bit more quickly about Ethan Katz, I realized that uh, for me and what I wanted in terms of the pitching coach, this is going to be great. And then in talking to other fans, uh, new blood, uh, in the new or in, in the organization, um, you know, I, I like w- where he's been, who he's worked with and uh, kind of the philosophy. Uh, your thoughts, Pat, on, on this Ethan Katz. No, it, coach hire. it seems like a great hire. So uh, and, and then it rolls back into that. If it was Tony's hire or it doesn't really matter if it's Tony's hire or not. The organization made a good move into hiring their pitching coach, and it sometimes it's not it's not definitely about you know what the the manager or a head coach's position is. It's who he surrounds himself with. So sure, he's absolutely. made a good step forward into surrounding himself with what seems to be a good match as far as a pitching coach, just because of the Giolito relationship. And if you have the ace of your staff who's going to be happy and can take some of his learnings and his uh, things that worked well for him to the rest of the staff, then, then that's good. So that's okay. We'll, we'll put one, we'll check. I think right now on the surface uh, on November 15th, 
that that you put that in the check column as a good move, Tony Rulusa. Yeah, I I, I was uh, uh, excited about it the more I, I read into it, and y- you know that I have you know several different passions in my life, Pat, and uh, I do enjoy presidential history, uh, U.S. presidential history. I'll be more specific. Um, and you read about some of these uh, presidents, and you know a guy like Lincoln, for example. And the cabinet and the people that he put around himself. Uh, and there's a great book uh, called Team of Rivals. And, you know, and I think Obama might have done this as well. But, you, you know, I mean, there's others, too, I'm sure that you you surround yourself with people that might have differenting mm-hmm. opinions to make you think about your opinion a little bit yeah. differently and to challenge you instead of just surrounding yourself with people that will be in constant agreement. So you feel better about your decisions. You, you want yeah. to be challenged. You want to grow in yeah. your thought. And uh, I think this hire is, is similar to that of, you know, maybe Larusa isn't real hip with some of the metrics and the spin rate and some of the new age things that are happening recently, but might want to learn a little bit more about it. We see that Ethan Katz has been successful. Let's bring let's bring him on and let's strengthen my thinking. And, and yeah, change it, my there's thought. nothing wrong with a dissenting voice in an, in an organization or in a group, as long as that dissenting voice is is heard and you can go about your differences or, or come to the best conclusion diplomatically. Then then having differing opinions amongst a, a leadership group is fantastic. You look at you look at famously one of the worst. Uh, you know, managers or owners in, in all sports. And it's Michael Jordan because he surrounds himself with people that just nod their head. Cause I, I need to be around Michael and he, he needs people that agree with him because he thinks his way is the only yeah. way. And look at the, the yeah. abomination that has been his ownership since he's, he's been in a front office. Yeah. So I'd rather surround yeah. myself with somebody that's again, going back to the word humble, humble enough to know that I don't know everything and I might need somebody that has a differing opinion just to come to the best possible conclusion. Yeah. Um, we think, uh, you know, Menachino, Daryl Boston, McEwing will stay. I, I, you know, I've read really positive things about McEwing. Players seem to really enjoy him and I like how he can kind of bridge a gap for La Russa, uh, with, you know, kind of giving some intel on, on where these players are at, his work with infielders, and uh, we're, we're looking for a new third base coach. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that that team starts to galvanize uh, this week as we move into to later November. Uh, hopefully as, as a hot stove actually gets turned on and, and warmed up here. Um, Want to talk about some awards, Pat. Uh, it started with uh, with silver and gold, <laughs> as you had mentioned in our pre-show. A little Burl Ives, a little nod to the holidays. Um, Anderson, Abreu, Jimenez, Silver Sluggers, and uh, Luis Robert Gold Glove. Um, thoughts on uh, on those awards? Uh, yeah, it's ago. it's a breath of fresh air to have some uh, nice mm-hmm. awards. And for me, you know, you go look at Robert and, and his Gold Glove, the first of probably many. And I uh, think so. Oh, and you first. mentioned something to me yesterday as we were uh, fighting the wind and playing golf. That uh, that he Good credited guess. a lot of his uh, credit a lot of it to Daryl Boston, which we still he did. can't he figure him. out how a Daryl Boston is is such a key to everybody's outfielding. But God bless him, he does something other than yeah. just be a statue over at first base and hold people's uh, you know uh, elbow pads and things like that. So good for good for Daryl. Right. Uh, so yeah, that was that, all. That was great. I, that, those are the 
the good news and the feel good stories um, that come out uh, over the past couple weeks. And uh, you know, the, we're going to have, we're going to have silver sluggers in this lineup for years to come. It seems. Well, that's, and that's where you, you know, you try to separate the La Russa nonsense and the, like the banging your head against the wall and, and the, the having conversations with people about La Russa and, and what to do about him. And you know what, but okay. Put that aside. Look at this lineup of talent. You can't stop what's coming. And when you've got Anderson, Jimenez, Abreu, Robert, Mancada, who was in conversations for Gold Glove and will be in conversations for Silver Slugger and most likely MVP. Madrigal, you know, Grandal, up and down, and hopefully a couple additions. These guys are a yeah. force. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, Abreu should have been in the Gold Glove conversation too. I mean, his defense has really stepped up. And to have a rookie like Robert, come in and do the damage he did offensively. You know, September was tough when they started figuring him out. Uh, but defensively, to just sit back and say, wow, we have got just an unbelievable force in center field for years to come. We can rest assured that we're, we're going to be good in the outfield for the most part. Um, that's, a, that's a warm, co- yeah. cozy feeling there heading into this cold, cold winter. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I, I just, I, yes, there's, there was a lot of heaviness with the LaRusa stuff, but the, 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 the positives are just yeah. overwhelming. Yes. A hundred percent agreed. And then, you know, it's capped off with, you know, what would have been a travesty if he didn't get it with Abreu winning the MVP. Yeah. And so that he, was wonderful. Boy, that, that was such a, a wonderful video to watch. I mean, emotional on a, on a bunch of different levels. Uh, he is the fourth player in Sox history. I mean, in Sox history, Pat, we're talking about 120-something yeah. years. Fourth player uh, to win MVP. Thomas had two, Dick Allen and Nellie Fox. And, uh, you know, it was kind of – it was a – it was almost a no brainer. There were a couple, uh, Bob Nightingale, Sox Whisperer was calling for, uh, Ramirez from Cleveland as a front runner, which I was a little un- sad to see. Um, uh, he, uh, he had Ramirez, but for the most part, it was a Braves to lose. Uh, he collected several awards leading up to the MVP, uh, 317 average, 19 home runs, 60 RBIs through 60 games, second straight year leading. Uh, the league and RBIs. I mean, top five in, in, in hits and RBI slugging percentage, extra base hits, average OPS. I mean, what a year. And if you extrapolate that to 162 games, it's not some of the numbers. I'm so happy for this for, guy. For me, it's, it's all of that plus what he is as a leader in that clubhouse. Absolutely. Yeah. T-W. <laughs> that is the will to win. And he's got TW, TW for sure. And then he's an MVP as a person when he addressed, yes. you know, what he said about the La Russa situation. So, sure. you know, to, to me, couldn't have gone to, a, a you know, a, first of all, a better player with the talent, a better person, what he's persevered through in, in, a, in his personal life, defecting from Cuba, being away from his family. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's an amazing story to see where it is, and good for him. And you know, now, now it's about getting that World Series ring. Yeah, I, I don't see a drop off 
I mean, I really don't. Uh, this guy, I think, wants a gold glove at first base. I think he wants to defend his MVP award. He's got a lot of – I mean, he has pride. And I, I don't see him slacking off because he's already got the MVP. I think he wants to do it in a 162-game yeah. season. And definitely is chasing the ring, and he sees where this team is at. Uh, I loved what he said about, you know, gave a lot of credit to Ricky, which I want to talk about in just a moment. But did did touch on Larusa, and said he spoke right away to Albert mm-hmm. Pujols and said, "What can you tell me about Tony?" And and a lot of positive stuff, you know. And and that's what I took away from that. Like, there's there's some negative things you could have went down re- with the recent Larusa La news, but he said, "You know what? I talked to Albert Pujols. I trust what Pujols says. I've known him for a long time, and." I'm excited to play for this guy as a manager and what he's going to bring. It almost was like a Brayu was like a calming voice for for the fan base. It's like, okay, yeah. you guys, oh, yeah. you, be- the week we had, you, you believe in me. Here's what I've done. I've spoken. It wasn't like they he went into a lot of detail about what they spoke about, but just that he's, you know, I think he said, if I'm paraphrasing correctly, he's going to play hard for him. He respects him and respects what you can count yeah. on me. You can count yep. on me. So I, I've that that makes you feel a little better about the whole thing. And again, just wraps it up in a bow of why this guy's not just the MVP of the league, but the MVP of the organization. And you know, I think somebody put it out in Twitter. You know, probably will be the next number retired, or could be. Oh, well, you know my theories, and Gian should have his number retired yeah. already. This is ridiculous. Give it to him. Nobody has worn thirteen in forever. Um, and, and you know what, I kind of, I do value retired numbers. I know a lot of people have different theories on that, but the, what you do for an organization, um, and, uh, the, the, the efforts you put in the longevity, what, what the community, you, you know, what you build in the community and how you're regarded by a fan base, by teammates, or you will, he, he's going to have his number retired. Uh, he'll be right after Fisk with his 79 and he's going to have a statue and the way these players look at him, from Anderson to Jimenez to Mancada, you know, LaRusse is going to be the manager, but they are going to almost look to Abreu yeah. first. How, how does this guy perceive this series? What can I learn from this guy when facing this pitcher? How does he handle himself after a losing streak or a winning streak? Uh, he is such a beacon, man. And he, it goes beyond just what he can do with his numbers which I think he's going to hold up next year. You know, Father Time will tell you there's going to be a drop-off eventually, but it's still the, the, the intangibles that won't come on the back of a baseball card uh, of why he's valuable and needed. Uh, on the and, I, and I think that Tony, is he's definitely smart enough to know that he needs to lean on guys like that in his clubhouse to have the clubhouse. So I think, Tony's been around this game long enough to know that he needs to forge that relationship and, and, and keep that solid and going forward because he's managed yeah. great hall of fame players in the past. And he sees that mm-hmm. in a guy like Abreu and that, that will give you some, um, you know, feel goods about what, what could happen in that clubhouse this year. 
Yeah, uh, a lot of love for Ricky. Um, you know, he got second place in manager of the year. Um, Abreu credited Ricky, uh, you know, Jimenez and Anderson and a few other players have gone on the record of saying it was a shock. Um, we we liked him. We missed him or we will miss him. Um, but, you know, we're moving on. Uh, you know, your, your thoughts, Pat, really quick. Um uh, any buyer's remorse? I mean, you're saying, boy, I wish we had Ricky back. Um, all this drama, man, I, I, I be careful what you wish for. Cause I'd really like to have Renteria back. No, I don't house. think so, Nick. Cause you, you saw what, what Ricky was. I mean, it, the, the, yeah. it was there, you knew, yeah, you, you know, what kind of manager he had. And again, good man created a great culture, but I think he got them to as far as he could take them, honestly. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah. just because he didn't succeed ultimately what he wanted to succeed. I think, I think Ricky was still a, you know, a good manager for what we needed for the time that we needed him here for. But I think it was yeah. the, the time was up. It time was, it was yeah. over for him yeah. and you move on it, but it doesn't ultimately ultimately mean that this next move will work either. But I don't right. think that if, if Tony doesn't succeed that I'll ever go, well, that was a mistake to get rid of Renteria. I think the, the move needed to be made. Now, whether you made the right choice on the next manager or not, that is the one that will be debated. But yeah, that's, that's, I don't think there's – there will never be buyer's remorse for me on um, you know, moving yeah. off of, uh, of a Ricky Renteria. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough for me to admit that too, but we saw – uh, we saw his like what he had to do in Cleveland and in Game Three, and if that's what you really thought was necessary, I can't, I can't give you the keys in 2021. Yeah. You know, although I think he'd learn from his mistakes and he might take it differently, but there's a risk there, and I don't know if I want to go through the whole season waiting to see what's like, just you know, holding my breath for September and October of, okay, did he learn his lesson? Uh, let's see what happens here. I, I, it was, mm-hmm. it was time. And, uh, you know, and now, and now we've got um, just a, a, just a loaded lineup, but we have some holes and, you know, just quickly here before we have to say goodbye. Um, November 21st of last year, Sachs threw a ton of money at Grandal, the most really in, in organization history to bring in Yasmani Grandal. It was kind of a shock. Uh, it wasn't really leaked ahead of time. I mean, he was of interest to the organization, of course. Uh, but with having McCann, you know, we, we go and get Grandal. And then a day later, we extend Abreu. And then in late December, we bring in Keuchel. So we're still about a week away as we record this episode from having that one-year anniversary. Uh, no, no moves have been made uh, really across the board in, in, in baseball. Um, what, what, like, what are you hoping for, Pat, realistically? I mean, what is there a guy, like, realistically that you're like, man, I really hope they target this guy, or is it more of just Yeah, I, I think it's uh, going to be a need thing. I think it'll be more of a, you know, everybody's going to wa- want the 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 Bowers of the world, the, the high price, sure. and, I, and that's on a wish list. But I think if I'm looking at more of a uh, realistic viewpoint, I think it's going to be looked at as a, a – third or fourth solid starter. And, and we talked about this yesterday. It could be a guy like Jose Quintana. Mm-hmm. And I think and so. You look at a guy yeah. that's going to be able to eat innings that you trust. Now, now I'm not going to confuse Jose Quintana for, you know, he's going to be even maybe even what he was when he was here, which was a really good number two no. pitcher. 
if he's going to give me somewhere around 200 innings in a regular season and he's going to save my bullpen and he's going to have an earned run average around four, which is probably about what it would be and a place where he's comfortable. I think I'd, I'd sign up for that as, as a cost controlled type pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am not, you know, I'm not thinking that they're going to go big with a DH. I think Vaughn's going to be utilized, even though we, he, the sample size isn't there because of a lack of a minor league. I, I see McCann gone and when, for what good or bad, we've got Collins and I'm, I'm uh, you know, it is what it is, but I, I really think of right fielder, you know, after the disaster of Mazzara, you know, whether it's Springer or, or somebody else, I, I don't have a high hopes for Bauer because that's not what the Sox yeah. do. You know, Sox, I mean, Jerry, he doesn't give a ton of money to pitchers. Now, if it's a one-year deal, that might be a different story. He does not give multiple years for big money no. for pitchers. If it's one year, $35 million, uh, okay, that's an odd deal. But if that's what Barrett Bauer wants – Okay, sure, but that's still you still need to figure out your right field situation, yeah. and uh, so I'm I, I'm more again, I, and surface. you know what I, I that's one thing I do agree with that the Sox do though I I am not a big fan of giving out long long term to, to pitchers no. where you're, yeah. you're tied yeah. up and you're paying a lot of money still on, uh, for a pitcher that has is probably going to be broken down by the fifth and sixth year of that deal, if that's what it re- requires. I think this year is probably going to be an off season of a bunch of one year deal anyway. So if, yeah. oh, if, sure. it is, sure. if that's what it is, I would rather, again, if it's my team, I'm, I'm looking to spend my money this way. Let me fill out the entire pitching rotation. I feel pretty good about the guys that I have at the top. I feel pretty good about the guys that are going to be coming up as far as the possibilities there with if you're talking about a dunning continuing to, to stretch out his arm in this end of the season mm-hmm, Kopech is kind mm-hmm. of an unknown but I, I feel good about where that potential is let's fill it out make it make it a little bit more palatable and then i'll spend the six years on the right fielder that's where i'll spend it at is an everyday yeah yeah uh guy because yeah. i to me I feel like we're going to be going round and round again next year because guys are going to be signing up for as much as they can for that one year deal in hopes right, that they can, right. you know, get that monopoly money again in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree there. I agree there. Um, and again, it's still early, even though it feels like, again, it's the wait, man. It's this waiting game, waiting game. When, when you know, we saw it happen with Grindal last year around Thanksgiving, like, well, of course the Sox are going to do something again because they're supposed to spend money, set uh, Tony up for success. Uh, we're so close. Like, when, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? This is a very tricky time uh, for fans, uh, myself, you, uh, folks listening, um, you know, leading up to winter meetings and with the climate of where we are uh, in the world and, and the nation, you know, state, city, what's happening with sports, how our team's going to spend so many question marks. Uh, one thing we do know really quick before you have to leave, socks are back and ESPN. Yes. Uh, big kudos. I, I've got uh, some, uh, some friends over there at the station. Uh, I, I'm a big yeah. fan of, of ESPN 1000, my favorite team on my favorite radio station. I am a P one listener to ESPN. So uh, I actually brought just in case we needed it yesterday. I had my old ESPN 1000 uh, White Sox poncho 
in case it started raining yes. on us yesterday at the golf course, Nick. And uh, I've held on to that for a long time. I'm glad to, to wear it uh, loud and proud again. So uh, congratulations yeah. to them. I think it's great for the Sox being on an all-sports network now again. And, uh, again, mm. having that relationship back there is really fantastic. So I'm, I'm excited. It'll be exciting to see what they do. It's, I, I don't know if Andy Mazur's coming back. I don't know if DJ's coming. I don't know <laughs> if that's all up in the air. But uh-huh. that'll be for another uh, podcast, Nick, to break that down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last time, uh, well, in 2005, uh, our World Series championship, Chicago White Sox. Bring back carried. John I mean, Rooney. That is not a sound, but that is Pat Hester doing And I screwed Rooney it up. I didn't say it verbatim. I've only no. said that in my head a thousand times. It doesn't matter. Times, sounded great. But... Sounded great. Um, well, I think we're going to have to start uh, saying goodbye, uh, Mr. Hester. Always a pleasure, sir. Um, really enjoying these interactions during the off season. Uh, we, I didn't tell you this yesterday, Pat, but uh, we are, are at, just about now with this episode, 20,000 plays since the beginning of this wow. podcast a few years 20,000 20, plays in uh, 2020. Not bad for a, an independent, yeah, not, not bad for an independent, no sponsors, uh, handcrafted podcast here. So thank you so much to uh, those who have been with us. Uh, new folks, pass this along, give it a rating. Uh, help us uh, continue to keep going. Uh, we really do enjoy it. And uh, Pat, I thank you so much for being Cheers, a part brother. of this. Great talking to you. All right, uh, folks. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Good Guys TV, uh, on Facebook at our Facebook page, Good Guys Talk Back. Uh, for Pat Hester, I am Nick Morowski. And-